Hey, welcome back to The Sound Table. This is episode three. Today, we're going to be talking about burnout and writer's block and how to deal with both of those. I'm your host, Austin, and I'm joined by Miranda. Hello. Today's going to be a really simple episode. We don't have any guests or anything like that, so it's going to be chill. It's going to be a little bit shorter. We get a lot of questions on people dealing with like burnout and, you know, writer's block and just fatigue, a lot of mental health stuff. So today, I kind of just want to talk about, you know, both of our experiences with burnout, writer's block, fatigue, not wanting to do the work, even though you have stuff to do. So we're going to talk a little bit about our own journeys. We're going to talk a little bit about tips and tricks that you can use, go over just some general kind of health, wellness, lifestyle stuff that can kind of improve your work and life balance. And then uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about like actual tips and tricks that you can use for writer's block. So if you're going into a session and you don't have anything to pull from or If you just haven't been inspired lately, this is probably going to be the podcast episode for you. It's going to be super simple, but I am excited to dive in. You ready to do this? Ready. Let's go. All right. So where should we start with talking about, I get, should I give my like own experience with burnout just so everybody can kind of relate? Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it a little bit on this podcast. I've talked about it on the YouTube channel. I've talked about it on other podcasts. Probably everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, to be honest, I think we've probably all dealt with this, especially those of us who are self-employed and do music full-time is like, it's really hard to find that balance of work and life. And if that balance is not, you know, perfect, you're going to hit burnout sooner or later. And so like, I guess probably earlier in my freelance career, I was just like obsessed with doing as much music as possible and doing as many records as possible. And to be like completely frank, just making as much money as possible, because if anybody is is listening to this as freelance, you kind of know that like the more you work, the more you make. And then, yeah, unfortunately, (laughs) yeah. And then the more you work too, the more opportunities that you're probably going to get in the future. So I kind of like fell into that cycle for a couple of years. And I mean, I was young, so like it didn't really matter like you had the energy right it wasn't like I mean at this time you were working at a marketing firm like half this time you were still in school so yes it wasn't like I really had anything else to do you know it was like yeah I was school I was, and working so it was like right you had if a I was lot home of alone time. yeah I would just be making music like mm-hmm. I was like why have a hobby when I could make money you well, know yeah like, your hobby happens to also be your job which right. is convenient <laughs> right so like I got kind of neurotic about just booking as much as possible and doing mm-hmm. all of that and like it was fine until then it wasn't like I remember probably like the biggest bout of burnout and kind of like the start of me having to kind of reevaluate things was like New Year's maybe of 2019. I remember I like mm-hmm. had a mental breakdown. I was just exhausted. I was tired. I like couldn't even focus on like the winter holidays like Christmas, uh, New Year's. I was just like constantly thinking about work, constantly thinking about other shit that I needed to be doing. And then shortly after that, I started going to therapy and then I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. And that kind of was like a big kickstart of like, I really need to kind of evaluate things because I can't just work all the time. Like at this time Mm -hmm. now, you were working with me full time. So like I wanted to work enough to where like we still could put food on the table and put money in our pocket. Mm -hmm. But also with you working from home, I was like, I don't want to be working 60, 70 hours a week. You know, it was just so weird because that, that was kind of the start of me being like, okay, I don't only want to make music. Like I love music Mm -hmm. more than anything. I love my job more than anything. I love working with artists and booking clients and I love doing all of that. But at the same time, I kind of like want to have a life and go out with my friends and I want us to be able to take a vacation and me not stress out about missing work. Like what's the point of, 
being my own boss if I hate working for myself, you know? Yeah. Or if you're not giving yourself any time off, like typical nine to five jobs don't anyway. Right. And so like, yeah, it was just one of those things. And like, I'll be honest too, working in a studio, especially when you're not working with other artists, like I work completely Mm -hmm. remote normally. So like I lock myself in a dark studio where there's like no natural light. I'm not talking to anybody for eight hours at a time. I'm not really moving other than maybe to grab lunch for like eight hours at a time. Like it just gets exhausting. It's not the same as like working a 40 hour work week at an office job where you can get up and talk to your coworkers and go to the water cooler and you have an hour lunch break or at least a 30 minute lunch break that you're like forced to kind of take. There's no like social interaction. There's no like, you know, changing your focus in terms of just like your actual vision. There's no like moving around. And so like an eight hour day in the studio is so much harder than an eight hour day in a classroom or, you know, at an office job because they're, mm-hmm. you're alone. Like that yeah. isolation really starts to to kind of take that into you know, to the extreme. And so like, I realized I was like, damn, like 40 hours of me being isolated in the studio is a lot. So yeah, yeah, like at this point, I've cut back quite a bit. Like I kind of only want to work on projects that I want to work on. We do a lot of stuff with NPM, which is, you know, really nice. And that kind of changes the pace for me. That's a big reason. I like having the YouTube channel and I like that we're able to kind of like work together and you can help me run NPM is because I can't just sit here and, you know, make six, seven pop songs a week like I used to. I just run out of ideas. I empty my tank way too fast. I'm just way too exhausted. Um, And then like eventually the music does start to suffer. So that's kind of just been my general process with burnout. And then I'll still have bouts every now and then like with the pandemic, it was crazy because normally I've always been the kind of person where it's like at the end of the workday, I like to, you know, get out of my house. I want to leave. I want to go to dinner or I want to go to a store or I want to go for a walk. And so like with the pandemic, we weren't really able to leave. Luckily we had bought a new house. So we had like more space to spread out in, but Thank God. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like there was no, you know, Hey babe, I'm done. You want to go to dinner? Yeah. Or like, or, let's go walk around target. It's like, we weren't doing that. Right. Like, or like things that we would normally do. And even big stuff too. Like oh, we've worked really hard for the past, you know, four or five months. Let's book a little four or five day vacation. Yeah, or like go to Disney and like stuff like that. Like we weren't doing any of that. So it was like really, that was really hard on you. Right. And so that's really when I started like, I had my experience with burnout in 2019. And that's when I kind of started realizing that I needed a better work-life balance. But then the pandemic really made me realize that like that work-life balance also needs to not be dependent on just distracting myself with like other shit that I could be doing. Yeah. Like instead of dealing with your stressors, you're just distracting it by going out and doing things and right. keeping your mind off of it. Right. So that was a little crazy. So like in that time, that's when I really started meditating. I started taking my health a little bit more seriously. We were cooking every meal at home. I started working out really regularly. We bought a Peloton and I stuck with that for a while. You did too. Like I'm sure we'll talk about your kind of journey with burning out at your office job and mm-hmm. kind of how you've implemented some self-help stuff to to help you, you know, stay focused. But it's just, yeah, it, that was weird because it was like, I was always fine working until five or six. And then as long as I got out of the house until like eight or nine, I was never, ever tired. And then all of a sudden I was just like, oh my God, I'm always at home. Like we both work from home. So it yeah. wasn't even like I had like a drive home or anything like that to kind of decompress. It's it's so weird having a studio or a home office that is literally the next door down from like your bedroom. Yeah. You have to find that work-life balance and you have to have that boundary of like, it's nice to have the accessibility to your studio. So if you have an idea that feels really important, you can go do that, but you don't always have to 
you know, be going and doing a revision just because somebody texts you at 10 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. So like- Just because you can doesn't mean you need to. Right. I guess we can talk about like one quick little tip that honestly you helped me implement because I, I've just always been kind of like a, I want to please everybody and I want to kind of give people their money's worth and I want to kind of impress everybody that I work with. And for the longest time, that meant like I didn't really have- any boundaries with artists like I, people would like whatsoever <laughs> right people would message me at 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night and I would go to the studio and send a revision or hop on a phone call and yeah you are a business owner so you do want to have like that customer service and you want to impress everybody that you work with and please them but like at the same time I was exhausted like all the mm-hmm. time because I was always on my phone I would be glued to my phone and you would be like we're watching tv like you don't need your phone and I was like well what if somebody texts me yeah. a revision and you're like what do you it's 1030 at night. Right. Well, then plus, if you're like always on, how are you ever going to have time to recover? If you're constantly in work mode, right. that, like, you're gonna, that's going to drive you crazy eventually, which is exactly what happened with you, which is why you burnt out so bad that eventually you literally made yourself sick. Yeah. It just really, it can get really unhealthy if you don't set boundaries, just simple boundaries. Like you're not going to message people or respond to messages after five or six or se- whatever time. And then you respond to them in ne- the next morning as well, but not at 7 a.m. when you wake up right. at like 9 or 10, like a normal, typical work hours. Right. And I think that would be like my first big tip is especially if you're freelance and you're working with a lot of different people at the same time. Like, you know, sometimes I'll have 20 different projects going all at once. And that's not to say that like I'm working on 20 different things within one day or one week, but there's like 20 open contracts that I feel like I'm obligated to fulfill. And like 20 people that you're in contact with. Right. And so like one of my big things is I have to have hours, like work hours, like just because your studio is in your home and just because you have the option of being there and being like, oh, I'm inspired. Let me go write down a melody. That's fine. That's all discretionary. But like you need to have, you start work at blank, you stop work at blank. You can reach me between these hours and outside of that, I'll get back to you the next day. And so like, that's what I did. I started working. We both started working Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. basically like 10 a.m. to normally five. But if I have to go late, I will work until six just so I can hit the eight hours, especially if we take like a longer lunch or we have to run an errand halfway through the day or something like that. Yeah. Now we'll do like a Monday through Friday, 10 to five, 10 to six kind of thing. And then outside of that, like, I'm not saying I'll never respond to messages, especially if it's just like a simple question. Like if somebody's like, hey, I'm going to go record this verse tonight. Should I do this or this? Mm -hmm. Like, it is easier for me to just respond to that than it is to be like, oh, let me put that off for a whole nother day. A lot of times too, you were responding to emails. It wasn't just like people texting you like short little things like that. Right. Yeah, like that's like totally fine in my opinion to do that. I mean, I think it depends on the person, but that's not as big of a deal as like being in your studio, like bouncing stems at like 10 p.m. to send to somebody because they emailed you when it's like, really, you could have just done that in the morning. Right. You can't be like... Regular businesses are not accessible to people 24-7. Like, why would you be, you know? Well, it's one of those things, too, that, like, once I started implementing that, and that was something that, like, now when I work with an artist, I kind of make it very clear up front, like, all right, here's the timeline. I'm typically in the studio Monday through Friday. If I'm out of town, I'll let you know before I go out of town so you can let me know if you need anything. Other than that, if you text me anytime after, like, 6, I'll probably get back to you the next day. And, uh, yeah, I haven't really had, like, any issues with that like if there's a project that has a timeline that I can't meet I just don't take it anymore like yeah. I used to feel like I had to take everything because I was like if yeah. somebody's giving me money and they want my name on their project I should do that 
Now it's just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, break my back just to work on a project, especially one that I'm not even like 1 billion percent committed to and excited about and feel like I need to be a part of that. Like I've had a lot of things that, you know, if Joan sends me their stems and I have something to do the next day and it's a song that I really want to work on with them, I might clear out a little space because I'm just motivated and excited. But I think finding that balance of like, I need to have a pretty rigid schedule. I need to have pretty rigid boundaries. And outside of that, if I hit inspired or if something's important, I can kind of have discretion to move things around. That was huge for me rather than just being like, if I have projects, I'm going to work. And if I don't have projects, I'm going to work on getting projects. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need to be the one to decide your boundaries. You don't need to let other people opinions or whatever, you know, decide that. Like if you're like, well, I know that if I feel really excited and passionate about these stems that someone sends me, I don't mind working until seven o'clock on them because I'm feeling really passionate about it right now. But you, sh- it shouldn't be like, oh, I feel really pressured that I need to do this today right now. We're like, this person's going to hate me. They're going to like, whatever. That's like, yes, that can get, that's where it gets toxic. Sure, I think yeah. if you're being the one though, that's, you know, breaking your own boundaries to an extent, it's, you know, that's not always a bad thing. Right, because at that point it starts to, feel more like a hobby than the work, right? It's like, I'm stoked on this or like, I'm not, I'm never going to stop my creative process because the clock hits a certain hour if Mm -hmm. I'm feeling good about it. But I was forcing myself to be like, all right, I'm going to be in the studio 10 hours a day and just pump out as much shit as possible. And that's where it's like, at at the end of the day, you're going to empty that tank because it's like, I didn't necessarily want to be there. I just felt obligated to be there. And that's when it starts to feel like an office job and you're like, I don't, Oh, if I really love doing this, I'm feeling super uninspired. I don't feel like I have like a clear vision on what I'm going for. So that's kind of been my personal experience with burnout. I do want to talk a little bit about kind of things that have helped me with burnout and things that have, you know, helped me with, I feel like writer's block typically comes with burnout. So we'll talk about all of that in a minute, but I would love for you, Miranda, to kind of share your story with like, it is burnout and it's also like dealing with work that might be unfulfilling at the moment but something that you need to do so you have a story right um yeah it's it's kind of silly I had a job where I was not very passionate about the job the person that I worked with was kind of a pain in the ass sometimes right and I just had such burnout from this job like I came home one day and I was so tired and emotionally drained I was literally crying to Austin and it's like I don't, I, I cry at like stupid little things, like a cute commercial or, a, you know, stupid stuff like that. But like when it comes to me personally in my, my life, I don't cry about things very often. So that was like a real breaking point. Right. <laughs> and th- that's how I felt in this job a lot. But one day we were watching the wonderful movie, The Devil Wears Prada. Great movie if you haven't seen it. Don't know how you haven't seen that movie. Shout out Meryl Streep, the best up and coming actress. <laughs> oh my God, how dare you? <laughs> but anyway- uh, we were watching that movie and it's the scene with Anne Hathaway and Stanley Tucci. And she is like going to him, bitching about the job, being like, I can't do this. Like, why is she so mean to me? Why is she like this? And he's like, there are thousands of people who want this job. And if you don't want it, you can leave. And also like, just do the work. Like, why are you co- complaining about your job? Isn't going to make your job any better. Right. You spend more time complaining about, and that's something I've done. You spend more time complaining about the actual task that you have to do than the freaking task would take to just handle. (laughs) Just do it. Yeah. So he basically was like, I mean, you're either going to stick around here and prove that you can do the job or you can leave and someone will replace you. And I was like, you know what? 
That's true. Like I can sit here and come home every day and complain about my job or I can get my ass to work and like actually do it and do a good job. And you know what? It's exactly what I did. And then after that, I became really freaking good at that job. And then when I was leaving, the guy was genuinely like sad that I was leaving because I became actually good at my job. No, this wasn't like a toxic work environment. Like I'm not saying like, like if you're in a toxic work environment, that is completely different. This was just like, I butted heads with this person. And it was like, basically when you know, when you work with people that you butt heads with, where you're just like, all right, that is just their personality. I'm just going to have to accept it and work with it. Right. That's really what it was is I was like, I just need to figure out how to make this work. And then I did. And it ended up being fine after that. I mean, I think that story- Get your ass up and fucking work. (laughs) (laughs) I think that story though will resonate with some because like, I know a lot of people listening to this will be creatives, but like at the end of the day, especially as freelancers, we're all going to deal with people that are pains in the ass, but like, are Mm -hmm. they so bad that it's worth refunding their project, losing the money and losing all the time you worked on it? Sometimes yes, but a lot of the time, no. Like just hunker down and do the best you can and- you know, at the end of the project, you can reevaluate. And like, I think it's just really important too to like, I'm not saying you have to be super grateful for your job or like whatever is going on, but just having a little bit of that perspective of like, if I don't want to do this, I don't have to do this. Mm -hmm. So like when you're getting burnt out, one of the things that like I like to do is be like, why am I burnt out? Am I taking just way too much stuff that I don't really care about at the end of the day? Like, am I not focusing on things that are really fulfilling to me inside and outside of work? And so I think that like, you know, that story that you shared about just something simple, like watching The Devil Wears Prada, just mm-hmm. kind of putting into perspective of like, sometimes you just got to shut up and do the work. And It's annoying, but it's true. And then you do start to kind of like, even if you don't fall in love with like the process, you'll fall in love with being the best at the process. Yeah. And like, that's really where like you've always shined. Like when you worked at a restaurant, you were their go-to person when you worked at a marketing firm. And it's just because like, you're so focused on if, if you're going to do something, you're going to do it to the best of your ability. Yeah. I don't like to half-ass things. Yeah, if it's not worth doing to the best of your ability, then it's probably not worth doing at all. Just go do something Mm -hmm. else. Yeah. I think one of the things that has really helped me with burnout is honestly just like stepping away. And this is huge for writer's block too. Every time I'm like in the studio and I just don't have ideas coming for me, I just know it's like time to take an extended off period. Yeah, you can't force it. Right. Sometimes it's three days. Sometimes it's four days. Sometimes it's two weeks. Like sometimes a couple weeks go by and the only thing I do is record a video for the YouTube channel, but I don't work on any projects for artists. I don't do any kind of like extra stuff. And I mean, we're really lucky that we're in that position. Oh, yeah. Because we're not having to always have, like we have steady income coming in anyway. So we are lucky that like we can kind of afford the time to step out. But even if somebody can't afford, you know, taking a week or two off, just take a couple days because I promise you, you're going to save yourself time if, if you're so burnt out that you can't think of anything and you just take two extra days. Even just like a long weekend. Like I feel right. like doing it on like a Friday, taking taking a long weekend or taking off a Monday or something like that. Right. That can really like reset you. And I feel like that's kind of where like writer's block comes from is at least for me personally, I don't know how it is for everybody listening, but like for me, I noticed that I'm, I'm running out of ideas when like I, f- I haven't been really living outside of work. So mm-hmm. like, you know, w- we work in arts. It's probably the same for anybody who's doing visual arts or acting or anything artistic whatsoever. Writing is like of any kind. Yeah. You have to have inspiration to pull from, right? Like you have to have some kind of muse. So like if I feel like I'm in the studio and I'm just like, I don't have any melody ideas. I don't have any instrumental ideas. I don't really have a vision of like what I want to create right now. It's probably because I haven't done anything that recently that like has actually inspired me. Mm -hmm. I'll just step away for a couple of days and 
you know, sometimes we go out of town. Sometimes we'll go do something that we've never done before. Sometimes we'll just kind of pick up hobbies. Like right now, we're both really into like cooking and stuff again. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if I get really exhausted, maybe I'm just like, okay, well, maybe instead of working tomorrow, we'll go grocery shopping. We'll like cook something brand new that we've never cooked before. I'll watch something that I've never watched before. And then normally just like kind of refilling my tank like that. It doesn't even have to be that I explicitly take something from that to filter back into a song necessarily. Just being able to like refill my tank, I think kind of ends up putting things into perspective. So like I see a lot of people when they hit writer's block, try to just like hunker down and get through it. And to me, that'll probably work the first few times because you might not actually be at writer's block. You just might be filtering your own ideas a little bit too hard. Mm -hmm. But I think that eventually you will hit legitimate writer's block. And it's because you've never taken time to go kind of like refill your creative tank. And so you got to be inspired by something. Right. Even if it's not like you were saying, like not directly inspired by like a new movie or like a new art museum or something that you visit. I think just having new experiences, just like, I think as people, we just need that. And it just helps you refuel, like even just getting outside, getting sunshine, like you, you need that or you'll drive yourself crazy. Right. And I feel like a lot of people, especially people who have the privilege to do music full-time as a job or acting full-time as a job, it's like you have that guilt of being like, I'm so lucky to have this as a job for this to be able to provide for me. I never want to step away because I'll feel like I'm not expressing my gratitude or I feel like I'm not taking full advantage of it. And like, that's totally understandable. But then at the end of the day, like the art starts to suffer when you've just become so obsessed with like the idea of working that it's not really what you're doing while you're working. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think like just taking a couple days off and making those experiences. And then like one thing that I like to do if I'm having really bad writer's block is like, I'll keep my phone on me or keep a little pen and paper or journal or something like that. And even little things like cooking a meal with you is just like, you can pull inspiration from that because I'm not going to write a song, you know, I'm not going to write a whole song about I cooked a new pasta with my (laughs) wife in the kitchen. Yeah, you have never done that. Nobody wants to hear that (laughs) shit. But like what I can do is it's just little things that you start to notice. Like when you're living a little bit more presently, you start to see things that inspire you. So maybe I'll see like the way that light shines in when the sun's setting and it hits your face. So I'll just take my phone out or take something down and like write down a one-liner or exactly what I just saw or sometimes a melody will come to mind and kind of keeping track of these things passively as time happens is like, okay, now when I go into the studio, I've got a whole list of not only experiences to pull from, but observations or thoughts or inspirations. Mm -hmm. And so if you're finding that you're in writer's block, maybe think a little bit more about how you are paying attention to everything around you when you're not in the studio where you're not creating. It's because like, there are so many daily observations or daily instances where we could pull something absolutely beautiful from. And like, if we're not living presently and we're not, you know, taking note of that in the moment, because a lot of the time you think that you'll remember something and you know, you're not, it's, no. these are all such minute things. If you're dealing with the writer's block, I would say an exercise to try is every day, write down at least one thing that you witness or feel or experience. And it can be as simple as like one sentence. It could be a whole, you know, page or two journal entry. It doesn't have to be anything crazy like that. But this was an exercise that I had to do in creative writing in college because he was like, y'all stories feel stale. I feel like y'all are not pulling from life. And so he was like, every single day, write down one thing that you witness or feel or experience or a conversation that you have or a one-liner that sticks out or a quote that sticks out Mm -hmm. and everybody's story's got immensely better and so like that's good advice yeah I'll I'll still do that so like even if I'm working with it with an artist that 
you know, has a brief for something that I'm not experiencing. Sometimes I'll go and listen to music that's kind of inspired by that or go watch a TV show or a movie where they're dealing with a relationship issue that might relate to the song that I need to create for somebody because I'm not going to go and put myself in every toxic situation so I can write from personal experience. Yeah, that'll make your mental health really suffer if you do that. Yeah, but you can still witness these things and kind of like pull them into your own thought process. So like a lot of my music... I release as an artist is sad. A lot of it's about like breakups and that you've relation- never had. <laughs> right. But that's what I'm saying. That was like, not everything that you write has to be personal to you. It can still be important to your audience without it being super, super personal to you because yeah. these are kind of universal feelings, especially when you write about love and grief or happiness or success or depression or whatever right these are very everyone experiences textbook emotions yeah and so even if you're not feeling like you can't pull things from your own life it's like go watch a movie go read a book go watch a tv show like i've written so many songs that came to me literally while i was just watching like sitcoms yeah literally how i met your mother yeah i've probably got one line in that whole album Pro- oh, song that's true probably from how I met your that I could release from how I met your mother because <laughs> I'm just true. like watching it and like you can see oh this character's sad oh this happened oh that was a weird situation oh this is what happens when people don't communicate and so like yeah living a little bit more presently and observing things a little bit more intently I think will start to kind of refill that creative tank so you know once you're you're getting into that kind of uh writer's block in the studio or in your creative process you have a little bit more to pull from rather than just like, oh, I like that new weekend song. Maybe I can make something that kind of sounds similar to that. Yeah, your inspiration doesn't always have to be music related. It can be right. other forms of art and entertainment or even just people. Like even just, I think, even just like hanging out with your friends or your loved ones and having good conversation, that could even inspire a song. Like that's definitely happened to you too, I'm One sure. billion percent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I like to do when I have writer's block. We'll talk a little bit more about like more simple tips a little bit later. I just think like if you're getting burnt out, obviously number one is just take a little bit of time off. Number two is maybe like reset some boundaries. And then the last thing that I really want to talk about and something that I think has helped me and something that I know has helped you, Miranda, is just like, taking a little bit better care of yourself outside of work. It's annoying, like, but it works. <laughs> it re- I mean, and this is definitely like a privileged stance, especially since we like work from home and we can kind of work whenever we want, mm-hmm. not work whenever we want. So like, I understand that not everybody that's listening to this is going to have a couple hours a day to do all of this, but just bear with me. If you can find the time, I promise you that like some kind of physical exercise, whether it's, lifting weights, doing a Peloton ride, simply going for a walk, um, doing a couple push-ups, just moving your body a little bit. Yeah, stretch even, like any kind of movement. Doing something like that and then just kind of paying a little bit of attention to what you're eating and how you feel when you're eating certain things or- Drink water. Yeah, hydrating yourself, you know, or on days that you, days after you've drank alcohol, do you feel more inspired, less inspired, more tired, more tired? Just pay attention to kind of your health and well-being because I think a lot of the time when I'm getting burnt out, it's not just because I'm not happy in the studio. It's because I'm not happy out of the studio. Yeah, you're not taking care of yourself. Right. And mm-hmm. so the first thing now I try to do when I'm just like, I really don't want to be in the studio at all. Like, I don't want to do anything in there. It's like, I'm okay. I need to get back in the gym. I need to get back to eating at home. I need to get back to doing things that I like to do on the weekend with people that I like to do it with. Mm-hmm. Like not just sitting on the couch for nine or 10 hours watching something that I don't give a shit about. And then outside of that, like, I know it's annoying, but any kind of self-reflection. So like it could be prayer, meditation, journaling, Mm -hmm. just sitting and observing nature. 
um, reading a book, anything that's going to like make you think of how you're feeling about things. I know it sounds dumb and I know it sounds corny to a lot of people, but like it helps, you know, just being able to like check in on yourself and make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Because when you do all of these things, you will have a little bit more energy. You will have a little bit more, you know, creativity and spark and juice, and you'll just be able to go for a lot longer because like the better you feel outside of work, the better you're going to perform inside of work, Mm -hmm. especially with something like music or arts or freelancing. Like when you're your own boss, you have to have that internal motivation to get to work. And it's a lot easier to do that when you're not massively depressed. Yeah. And I know a, a lot of people are like clinically depressed, but if you can get just an ounce of will and spark and you can start your day with a better start, even if you're massively depressed, if you can just do that, it's almost always going to help at least a little. Like speaking from somebody that is diagnosed depressed and bipolar. Yeah, I would say someone who has been massively depressed. Even just one thing, like obviously if you're in a like big depressive episode, you're not going to be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to like get up and work out and I'm going to journal. Like that's unrealistic. And that's rude to even act like someone who is maxively depressed would be able to do that. For sure. I know it's not what you're saying, but um, just doing one thing, like maybe I know when I feel depressed or you feel depressed, we get in this really bad habit of staying in bed for way too long. Yes. So just one day, if, if that's the only thing you do that day is that you get out of bed at a better time than you normally would, then that is an accomplishment when you're in a really depressive mood episode like that. Or, yeah. you know, if you walk just to go to your mailbox and back. Right. That, you know, as long as you're just doing these little baby steps at a time and not pressuring yourself when you're in that situation, you it, it'll help you at least a little bit. Right. We're not trying to get into that whole like Twitter thread of oh, like, God, no. oh, depressed people just need to drink more water and, and read more fruit. books and eat oh, fruit. Like, yeah, that's so annoying. Obviously, those things make you feel better, but sometimes that's not going to help. But if, yeah, it's like not Miranda cure just depression. said, <laughs> yeah, if you can find literally one thing that you can do, whether that's, you know, do a chore that you've been putting off, do something nice for yourself, compliment yourself. Like typically when you do one thing, you're going to find that it's kind of like a domino effect and you're going to do more. You might get a little bit momentum. And if you don't, hey, you don't. At least you did one. You did one. Yeah, I was going to say, you got one checklist done. That's that's all you can do and hope for, honestly. Right. So doing that kind of stuff in your life, I think does start to apply to your creative process and your burnout at work. Yeah, for sure. And I think the last like kind of frou-frou self-helpy, like- (laughs) hustler mindset kind of thing that I oh want to talk God. about God. is, uh, is uh, I know it sounds annoying, but like setting some like long-term goals that you want to do. And I'm not talking like a five-year plan. Like I think in the current sense of the world, nobody knows where they're going to be in five years. You know, no. nobody could have predicted this five years ago. No. And so like, I'm not saying like that, but like one month, maybe like if you could write down one or two or maybe even three things that you want to do in one week in one month and maybe within one year, I think being able to kind of like center your focus into things that were important enough for you to write down and for you to kind of reflect on will keep you a little bit more motivated. So I know that like when I'm not keeping track of my journal and my planner and I'm not doing my goal journals, it's like I start to lose a little bit of focus and motivation because I'm, I don't always kind of remember what I even really want to be doing, you Mm -hmm. know, like I have to sit down and I have to think like, oh, well, this week I want to finish up this song for Riley and I want to start a new pack for NPM and I want to announce a podcast. And within one month, I want to have Riley's mixes all done and I want to have a podcast episode out and I want to, you know, be talking about structuring this product. And then within one year, I want to have done this, this and this. I can kind of like set up long term 
planner boundaries of things that I need to be doing. And it kind of just like lights a little fire under your ass because you're like, I don't know if I really want to sit around today and do nothing because there's things that I want to get done and those don't mm-hmm. get done if I'm not actively working towards them. So if you're not setting any of those goals or, or achievements or just like kind of like a vision board of where you want to be in the next week, month, and year, it's really easy to just live day to day and be like, I'm my own boss. There's nothing I really need to do today. So there's nothing I really want to do today. Yeah. So I'm just going to dip. And if you're doing that because you need a break, that's great. Like I'm all for taking time off as we've already stated. But if you're doing that just because you're like, eh, I don't know, I don't really care. It's really easy to fall into the pattern. And I'll be completely frank. I'm kind of in this pattern right now. <laughs> yeah. Of being like say. almost too content where it's just like, yeah, kind of whatever happens, happens. I'm not super motivated to be in the studio if there's not a project that I'm super, super pumped about. Like I've been doing a lot of cool stuff lately with artists that I'm loving working with. But outside of that, like I'm not really going above and beyond to find things that I could be doing to like expand make pop music or focusing on a new sample pack or putting together a course that I should be doing. It's just like I haven't sat down and done that reflection in a couple months and we've had a crazy couple months and I know I probably need to. In turn, I think that I've like lost a little bit of my consistency Yeah. And hitting burnout is so much easier when you don't have like the routines and the consistency. Oh, yeah. Especially healthy routines and consistencies. Burnout's going to hit if you're too consistent, like we talked about earlier. But if, you know, if you have your work week that is within your work life boundary that you've kind of set for yourself and you can stay on your, you know, gym routine, work routine, journaling routine, you can stay on your, you know, I've always got some kind of work coming in and some kind of work going out. It, it is a lot harder to hit burnout like that than it is to just be like, oh, there's nothing I really want to do today. Oh, there's nothing I really want to do today. And then it's like three months go by and you're like, what the fuck have I done in the past three months? <laughs> yeah. You know, so I think just like taking a little bit of time, if, if you're not that motivated right now, or if you have a little bit of burnout or you just honestly are like a little bit lost, just kind of taking a little bit of time to think about what you want to do in like the next short amount of times. Like, again, I'm not talking about like life plans here. You know, I don't think that you should figure that out. I think you should be kind of fluid, but I think that's, that's helpful to me at least. I know you're, you're not huge on that. I'm not. I'm like a one week, one day at a time kind of person personally. Um, I think just because I change my mind so many times about things and like goals and what I want. And it's hard for me to plan like an entire year Plus, I I can be really hard on myself. And if I make a goal a year ago for something and then I don't reach that goal, I feel like shit. So I'm more like a day-by-day, week-by-week person. But I think you can do either. I think it depends on how your brain works. And that's just personally how my brain works. But I know for Austin, that works for him. Like setting up these monthly goals, these yearly goals really motivate him and make him feel good. So it's like, hey, if that works for you, then you do that. But I don't think you need to feel like, I always felt pressured because I was like, oh, everyone does that. Like my husband does it. All my friends do that. And like, I don't do that. Like what's wrong with me? But there's nothing wrong. It's just, that's how my brain works. And if that doesn't work for you either, then that's totally fine. Right. But I think you also have, realize that because you've at least you've tried a bunch of different things and you know what works so like even if you're not writing down a one-year goal in a journal like you know within your head like we should do about this in sales this year we should release about this many products this year and you're a lot more kind of strong-willed personally to be like we need to get started on that preset pack if we want to release that by this time like I'm a big procrastinator and I'm kind of like it'll get done when it has to get done and you're very proactive about being like I know but you're going to be 
super miserable. Yes. I so, think that's really what it is, is that I see how miserable you can make yourself. Right. So I stay on your ass, try to stay on you about it. Yeah. So it is really important to just kind of find what works for you and kind of figure out what that, I guess, kind of like inertia to get you going is. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't want too much because you don't want to be overwhelmed. I need some kind of goal and focus. So I don't just... You need more structure, I think. Right. I spread myself too thin if I don't have like a clear vision of what I want to do because mm-hmm. I've got too many ideas where... You know, even like starting this podcast, I put it off for years because I was just like, that's just another idea that I'm going crazy with when like there's other shit I could be focusing mm-hmm. on. I mean, maybe try both, see what works for you. Overall, I think what we're just saying is find your kind of work-life boundary, find what motivates you to actually get in there and do some work. And then outside of that, understand when you're starting to run out of gas and how to refill that tank. And that's really like the most important things. We've talked a lot about burnout. I feel like burnout's such a personal thing. So we've kind of given our stories and Yeah, and shared. it's very common. It happens yeah. across all, like no matter what type of work you're in, if you're in the creative field or if you're in a nine to five still and maybe you only do creative stuff on the side, it's like everyone experiences burnout through every aspect of life in, in everything. Right. Now that we've talked about burnout, I think burnout's like the number one cause of writer's block. But I think writer's block just happens to everybody. And it's not as serious and it's not as deep and it's not as heavy. So I do want to talk a little bit about writer's block and like some things that you can do or that at least I do that kind Mm -hmm. of help me out. But like for writer's block, I know we talked a little bit about like going out and living and experiencing new things and Mm -hmm. keeping a journal or a notebook or, you know, voice notes on your phone of things that kind of inspire you on a day-to-day basis. And that to me is like the number one thing because at the end of the day, like you have to have feelings to pull from for art, like. That's what makes art important. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, like, I think there's a couple of things that I do. One of the big things that I like to do is if I'm working a lot in one genre, like let's say I'm doing like dark R&B trap, right? And I'm listening to a lot of like Older Weekend, like Chase Atlantic, Always Never. Manila Gray. Manila Gray. Like all these artists that I absolutely love and adore. And I'm also working in that. I can find that like sometimes I get a little bit stale and I get a little bit burnt out on like producing that style because I'm just listening to it for fun. I'm listening to it for work. Too engulfed in it. I almost start to like find myself accidentally mimicking things subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I'll do is even if I've got project briefs that call for that style is like, maybe I don't listen to all of that for a minute. Maybe I go listen to something completely different. So like we kind of have curated playlists for different things that we like to do together. So like we have like a Sunday playlist, a Saturday playlist, a playlist for when we cook, a playlist for when we play board games, a playlist for when we're at the pool. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like proof that we are kind of able to curate vibes intentionally for like what you're trying to feel while you're listening to something. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like if you're finding yourself kind of getting stuck into the pattern where everything that you're producing sounds the same, it's all sounding really similar to your references, you're kind of like stale and uninspired and you're just going through the motions. Even if the music is like good and you enjoy it, you just listen to something else. Like it's super simple. But I mean, how many times have I just been stuck on a project and I go listen to like Stevie Wonder and then the next day I finish the project and like 30 yeah. minutes. That's all you need is some Stevie. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Like I try to listen to something as opposite as possible. So sometimes like a long time ago, my big thing was I would listen to music with no words. So I would listen to like film scores mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. I forgot about that. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So like, I don't do that too, too much anymore. But when I was working in like one specific style of pop for a long time, I'd be like, holy shit, I need to go listen to something that has no programming, no lyrics, no melody. And so I'd go like listen to the Batman soundtrack or something like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's cool because you still pick up on like the melodies and the instruments and the timbres and things that are all happening. And then I'll figure out things 
that I could maybe implement in a style that that's not typically seen in. And I think that's kind of where you get like creative merging is where, you know, I can go listen to like a Motown record and drag that into like an indie pop record. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a really cool vibe that not everybody's doing. Or even if people are doing it, it's not as like on the nose of like, I'm not going to go listen to a 1975 album when I have to create a shit ton of indie pop because it's just going to sound just like that. Yeah. So if you're getting stuck, try listening to different things. Try honestly just like being a consumer of music all around, I think is just going to help you become a better producer, artist, singer, songwriter, just having like that kind of broad palette. So I'll listen to everything from 80s rock and metal to, you know, 60s, 70s Motown to 2020 electronic music. Like, I don't care. I really will listen to almost anything. And I think that when you do that, you can pull from lyrical styles of one genre and production styles of one genre and mixing styles of one genre. And that's how you start to kind of build up that toolbox for beating things like writer's block and and stale writing. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to listen to when you're just like either bored or not in a good mood? Or like if you're like doing something for work and you're like, oh. Well, I can't listen to music during work because I'm You're editing, videos, editing right? most of the time or editing a podcast. So I really, I have a playlist that I made on my phone. I think it's called like Sunday, Sunday something. I can't remember what I named it. Sunday Feels? Yeah, Sunday Feels. That's it. And it's all like 50s, like Motown, like Etta James, Stevie Wonder, like I know like Stevie 50s Wonder's in 50s. but late 70s. Yeah. Just all that type of music that you just listen to it and you can't help but feel good. Right. Like you can't be in a bad mood listening to music like that, in my opinion. It just has so much like heart behind it. And it's also just fun and happy. And you just want to be like in a car with your windows down, like listening to this music, like that's what I personally like to listen to if I'm in a bad mood. Um, or sometimes I listen to podcasts because I like to hear other people's thoughts and opinions about things. And I just like don't want to hear my own thoughts. So I'll listen to a podcast where people are talking about their life experiences. Um, so yeah, that's um, I guess what I do. I think like listening to stuff that's not super current and it's not super... Yeah, or 90s. Like I love like 90s, early 2000s R&B. Ooh, that's yeah. my shit. So I love listening to that too. Or like 2000s, like pop, like Britney Spears, like that kind of thing. I think that can be, that can be something that's like fun and nostalgic, you know? Right. That makes you feel good. All right. Well, thanks for the recs. One of my big things that I like to do is like, well, I don't do this so much anymore because I've just, I've been producing for so long. But when I was getting started, especially in pop, it's one thing that I would love doing is like, finding a new track that was just infectious to me. So like I was obsessed with it. I would listen to it on repeat. Mm -hmm. I would then go and I would recreate that track as closely as possible. So I would try to find drum samples that match, try to find synth patches that match, try to do all of the different production techniques and elements. And what you do is you start to kind of build up your toolbox for things that you can pull from. And then once you've kind of recreated that song as closely as possible, you will learn a lot within that process, which... I think at the end of the day, beating writer's block is like the more tools and tricks and techniques and tidbits that you can pull from, the easier it is to be like, all right, well, I don't have to really think about being creative. I just am creative now. Mm -hmm. Like, because you've already done all of the thinking in the past. You do build that up. But then what I like to do is after I've recreated that song as identically as possible is then I'll go and I'll start changing things. So I'll change the tempo. I'll change the key. I'll change the chord structure. So if I'm doing like a, one, six, five, four, maybe I'll go like five, six, one, four. So like you start to invert things and then I'll change a synth sound or two. And, you know, after a couple hours of recreating that original song and then a couple hours of changing pretty much everything about it, by the end, you cannot tell that that song was even a reference, but 
you're not starting with a blank palette because I find a lot of the time when I'm having writer's block, the blank palette of just a DAW sitting there like wide open or a guitar sitting there with six strings or a piano with 88 keys is like really daunting and overwhelming. So if you can find any kind of start point, whether that's working with a loop that you're going to mangle or, you know, a chord progression that you get from a MIDI pack or, you know, a song that's already been done that you recreate and then kind of want to flip. I find that like starting with something is huge to beat that writer's block because it's taking away a lot of that like initial guesswork. Because I would say that at least for me personally, the amount of time that I spend between having a blank session and laying down the most basic form of the rhythm, the main kind of chord structure and the main melody, that is so much longer of a process than once I have like the most basic part of that song, finishing out the rest. So writing verses, writing choruses, doing all of the production. Mm -hmm. I'll sit there for 45 minutes and play different chord progressions and not start the song. Yeah. And then, you know, if you start with something, at least you're not going to run around and run around and run around. Yeah. I feel like you just need that one thing to kind of pull it out of you, pull the, pull the creativity out of you, you know? Right. Just take a little bit of guesswork. It's just like, you know, you'll have analysis paralysis if you're starting with a blank chiplet every time. Mm-hmm. So like when you're working with artists, a lot of the time you'll get like briefs and stuff like that. So that makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, if you're doing like demos. spec work or you're doing like library work, you're just like wanting to create for fun. Having nothing to go off of ever is kind of exhausting. Yeah, so sounds exhausting. <laughs> try to find something that like inspires you and see if you can flip it. And if, if you can flip it enough to where it's, you know, not in there at all anymore, you won't even have to, you know, sample it or credit anybody. And at the end of the day, if you only flip it enough, but you can still hear that original synth melody from a Billie Eilish song, it's like, you know, see if you can license it. And if not, then at least it was a good process to kind of get you out of the writer's block. Yeah. Another thing that like I found kind of clogs me up is I heard Ed Sheeran say this like years back, but it's like writer's block, I think, happens when you are auditing your own ideas too much in your head. Mm -hmm. And so like you never want to really throw everything at your DAW because you're like, well, what if it sucks? Right. Like I I, I have this idea of a chord progression in my head, but like it kind of sucks. So I don't know if I want to lay it down. And so like you wait for that perfect idea in your head to inspire you. And sometimes like you just need to go make the six shitty songs that you need to make so you can mm-hmm. make the one good one at the end. It's That's just how it is. It's Throw like, it all at the wall, see what sticks. Right. You're, you know, your brain is like a pipe. And if there's something clogging the water, which, you know, the shit idea would be something clogging the pipe. It's just like you, you kind of just got to get rid of it, you know? So like... Shit, I, this shit clogging the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> I need a raise on this podcast. <laughs> I just think like it's really important to not take it too seriously. Yeah, don't be afraid to write shitty music. Yeah. Every single... I've heard every single single artist ever say you should hear my demos they are trash like some of my old demos they're so bad it's like that's just gonna happen you can't make perfection every time that's very unrealistic there probably is not a single artist in the world even my favorites of favorites that i know they've all made shitty demos or had shitty ideas but i would be willing to bet that there's not a single artist on earth that doesn't at least have a couple releases that i'm like i don't like that oh of course and that's fine like that's all personal yeah of course everyone's gonna but that's what I'm saying. Sometimes like that could be somebody's favorite song. So sometimes just make the idea and, and, you know, get feedback. And I think just don't overthink it. You know, like I think Mm -hmm. writer's block really happens a from not being inspired, which we've already talked about a ton, but B just like being way too hard on yourself and not allowing yourself to just create, like pick up the guitar and play a couple chords and don't think about what you're playing, lay something down in serum and don't really think about it. And once you've done that, then you can start to analyze, but don't overanalyze everything before it even exists. Yeah, you can just simply delete it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one ever has to hear it. It doesn't matter. I've wasted days and weeks on songs that will never, ever come out because when they got done, I was like, eh, don't love it. But then the yeah. next day I like 
made a banger in two hours and that does release. Yeah. You know, it's just, it is what it is. You know, another thing that I do that's kind of weird for like writer's blocker, this is specifically like if I'm stuck on one song I've been working on mm-hmm. is I this kind of accidentally happened because I was like listening to music in the shower one time and, and I was like, that chord progression seems different than I remember. And I started to realize this and I talked to Platinum about this a little bit. He kind of does the same thing as I was just saying like, sometimes when I'm listening to music from another room, you can't hear everything that's happening and your brain starts to fill it in, but it'll fill it in differently. So mm-hmm. sometimes what I'll do is if I'm stuck on a song that I'm working on or if I'm like don't have any chord progression ideas is I'll play that song or something that I'm into at the moment from like another room on like my phone and I'll go away and listen, shut the door. And you'll start to like pick up on all of these weird like overtones in music and you'll start to like hear parts of a melody, but then your brain will kind of fill in other parts of the melody and it'll kind of create these new chord structures. And maybe this is like a super niche thing. Like maybe nobody else listening to this (laughs) will relate to this whatsoever. But like, have you ever had the instance of like, you're listening to a song at like a really low volume and you're like, that doesn't sound like how I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. Or you like think, you're like, oh, I know that this is this song from this album. And then you're like, wait, no, this is a completely different song. Right, because your brain's like filling areas in that your ears are not actually hearing right or like in the car if you have the volume really low that can happen too yeah i find it for me like doing it in the shower with the water running like i'll set my phone like on the vanity Mm -hmm. or being in like a different room where you kind of have like that like high pass filter that's just like Mm -hmm. your brain i feel like it does a lot of work for like creating an original composition for something that already existed and so Maybe try that. Like if you're stuck on an idea, especially if you're stuck on an idea that you're working with for like a client or an artist is like, listen to that in a weird environment where you're kind of intently listening, but you can't really listen that intently because the environment has these these things that you can't really control. So you're not able to hear everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It might be a weird trick, but to me, that's something that- I think it's a good idea. I don't know. I try. I, I felt really weird about it. And then when I was telling <laughs> Platinum, he was like, oh, I do that all the time. It definitely sounds weird when you say it. But then when you think about like doing that in real life with songs that you know really well, like in your car, if you have the volume really low and a song's playing, you're like, what fucking song is this? And then you look and you're like, what? I've heard this song a billion times and I didn't even notice it. Literally. The song I'm doing literally this week that I've been working on with Joan is like one of the things that I put in there was something that I thought was already in there because I had like listened to it on my phone. Mm. And then when I had like pulled up the stems, I was like, that's, I guess that's not in there. Yeah. And so I was just like, all right, well, I'll put it in. Your little producer brain just feeling stuff in. Yeah. And (laughs) that might be like a more kind of advanced technique because you have to have kind of the knowledge to hear the idea and then also be able to implement that within your session or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe try listening to something that you're working on in a completely different, weird environment and see if your brain can kind of fill in those, those pieces and make something a little bit more interesting or a little bit more textured or a little bit more unique because for me, it's like a big thing with chords. So like I'll mm-hmm. hear really extended chords if I can't really hear the song where maybe in the song it was just like a C triad, but my brain kind of fills it in as like a C major nine with an extension of a 13 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just something that I feel like is, is kind of a cool little thing and it costs nothing and pretty immediate. And if it doesn't work, it's not a big deal. Right. You just got to listen to the song. Yeah. <laughs> so That's one thing I like to do. Probably the last thing I want to talk about is like limiting yourself a little bit when you are having writer's block because we talked a little bit earlier about like the analysis paralysis and kind of starting with like a loop or a MIDI progression or a song that you kind of recreate or whatever as like a starting point. I feel like another area of analysis paralysis is now, especially with like modern workstations, I can pull up any key sound I want. I can pull up any drum sound I've ever heard in my life is like 
you ha- the options are literally endless. It's not like back in the day when if you wrote a song, it was either on guitar or piano, mm-hmm. and then you'd show a band and then they could play it as like a five or six piece band. Like that doesn't, I mean, that does exist now, but that's not how most of the people that will listen to this podcast make music. The limit does not exist now. <laughs> so what I like to do is like, if I'm fine, especially if I'm finding that I'm not really like blocked as a writer, but I'm more so like making a lot of the same shit mm-hmm. is I'm just like, damn, this sounds a lot like the instrumental I made last week. Like, I think I've literally written this top line already is what I'll do is I'll start to eliminate some of the tools at my disposal. So like sometimes I'll make a song with just all stock instruments. Sometimes I'll make myself write the full song on guitar or piano before I go program it literally at all because I think then you can kind of focus more on the song and less on like the what I want to do with the song Mm -hmm. and so like if you find that every time you open your DAW you just play around with your synth for an hour hour and a half write down one little melody and never come back to it it's like okay well maybe think about the song before you just open Omnisphere and flip through 6,000 patches yeah like I think that those tools are great you know I mean we make samples and presets and stuff like that so I totally understand the appeal to these tools but like, don't let that block you because there's just so much at your disposal that you're like, I don't really know where to start with. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. Right. For me, most of the time I work on music, the song's like pretty much done in my head before I even open my session. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be in the shower, like beatboxing stuff, humming stuff, like writing down lyrics as soon as I get out. And then by the time I get into the studio... I kind of already know what I want to do for that. So there's not a lot of that like experimenting in the early process. I'm a big fan of like experimenting throughout the process and getting new sounds and trying new techniques that I've never tried. But in my personal opinion, the time to do that is once you've already had the basis of the song formed and not when you're trying to create a song from the beginning. Like it's cool if you want to try different writing processes or production processes, but I feel like if you're not limiting your tools sometimes and you're not, you know, focusing on the song at hand rather than just flipping through stuff, waiting for inspiration to hit, sometimes it just never does. And so you'd be like, I've been in the studio all week and the most I've done is like found a couple of new patches that I like and I made one crappy beat that I'm just throwing away. Mm-hmm. So maybe think about, you know, before you get into that session, limiting the amount of stuff you can throw at that, at least at the start. Like you can build it out as much as you want once you have the the kind of skeleton, but at least to get the skeleton, maybe limit yourself to like a couple elements. You have, you know, your main chord progression, your main melody, your main rhythm. Focus on that. Once you have that set, you can kind of throw the kitchen sink at it. But I think just going in with some kind of game plan rather than just like, I'm just going to sit down and create what I can create, especially if you don't have like music theory knowledge or Mm -hmm. extensive production knowledge. If you're still in that phase of like, I'm just going to experiment as much as possible. If you go in with no idea of what you want to do whatsoever, it's really, really exhausting because you feel like you've like run around the track a million times, but you've never completed the mile because you didn't actually go anywhere. You were on a treadmill the whole time. Yeah. So I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's important to have a little bit of a a kind of direction where you want to head before you sit down at a especially like a computer. And I think that once you do sit down, just kind of like limit things so you don't you don't get too scatterbrained in the process before you have a song to even worry about. Yeah. You know? I don't know. That's most of the things that I like to do with like writer's block. We talked a lot about like burnout, taking care of your mental health, taking care of your physical health, uh, setting like work-life boundaries. I mean, that's probably going to be it for this episode. If there's more that people want to hear about, you know, working with mental health illness or, you know, the actual creative process of how I create a song. We could do a whole nother episode on that, but I think that pretty much covers it for like the the basic burnout writer's block episode. Is there yeah. anything else you think we should add? No, I don't think so. Let us know what episode you guys want to see when it's just me and Austin because we have like a real running list, but 
obviously we want to make content that you guys want to listen to. So right. if you got any ideas, let us know. Right. Yeah. Again, like we said in the intro podcast, I think these are cool topics that apply to a lot of people, but like nobody's going to listen to an hour long YouTube video where I'm just talking about like yeah. obscure writer's blog shit that I do. You know, I think mm-hmm. these are great for a podcast because you can kind of casually listen. And I hope that, you know, anybody listening was able to pick up at least a little bit of uh, information or like an idea or something that you could kind of implement in your own workflow where ways that were kind of highlighted of like, oh, maybe I'm not, you know, taking care of myself as much as I could be and kind of mm-hmm. optimizing my work-life balance. I don't know. Let us know if, if anything with this podcast resonated with you. You can follow us on Instagram at Make Pop Music. You can follow us. Well, you don't really have to follow us on Facebook, but you can join the Facebook group. It's just mm-hmm. facebook.com slash groups slash Make Pop Music. There's links to all this down in the in the show notes. But other than that, if you want to support the channel, you can head over to our website, Make Pop Music, where we do make a lot of tools and stuff for production we have samples preset packs we do have midi packs actually which i use all the time Mm -hmm. even though i created a lot of them again it's just nice to have something to start with we have some courses over there and then you know we also have a ton of free content so it's hard to even remember what all we have but i know we have a bunch of like serum packs that are free we have a bunch of anna 2 presets a bunch of samples infographics all that kind of cool stuff we've got some blog posts so if you want to support the channel you can head over to our website makepopmusic.com you can check out all of the free and paid stuff over there there's a lot to dig through and then other than that yeah let us know what you all want to hear in this let us know what the vibe you want to kind of have curated is for these because these are really easy these are so much more laid back than when we have a guest and we're really focused on them and kind of getting as much good information from them so Just let us know how you're liking these episodes. If you're loving the podcast, feel free to rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever you're listening on. Ratings will help us reach as many people as possible. The more people we reach and the better feedback we get, the more we're going to be able to do this podcast and do the YouTube videos. So show us a little bit of love if you're liking this podcast so far. We appreciate you for listening. Is there anything else you want to add, Miranda? Nope. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to me talk about things that I know nothing about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. The next episode is going to be Dean from Always Never. So tune in. In a couple weeks, it's going to be Monday. Do we know the date off the top of our head or am I? No, because I don't know what day it is. It will be Monday, August 8th will be Dean's. So if you want to tune in and hear Dean from Always Never talk about his life and uh, that group and and everything that he's kind of done, tune in. That episode was great. I'm actually really excited to go back and listen. So we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Other than that, come hang out with us on Instagram or in the Facebook group. Show us love on the website, makepopmusic.com. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you guys soon. Much Much love. love. Peace. Peace.